Star Wars 7x7 episode 3359. Today on our deep dive episode into part 5 of the Ahsoka series, we're going to talk about Ahsoka and Anakin's interactions in the world between worlds and the part of the vision quest that Ahsoka goes on during that situation. So yeah, let's dig in. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So in my search for meaning about what happens to Ahsoka and the world between worlds, I started off by looking at the title of the episode, Shadow Warrior, and seeking out meaning for that to see if it could tell us what's actually going on or give us a clue there. Now it turns out that there is actually a couple of Shadow Warrior references, and one of them is for a movie which the Japanese title is Kagamusha, if I'm pronouncing it right, that translates to Shadow Warrior, and it's a film by Akira Kurosawa. Now, it turns out that the basic premise of the movie is that there is a you know, lowly criminal guy, and he happens to bear a resemblance to a dying daimyo, a feudal lord, and so he has to pretend to be that feudal lord, so that way other opposing feudal lords don't get wind of this you know, particular vulnerability and turn it into an attack situation. Definitely not not what is happening in the Ahsoka series, but it turns out that there's also a Clone Wars episode called Shadow Warrior, which is season four, episode four, and the premise of it is pretty much the premise of Kagemusha, except the lowly criminal is instead is played by Jar Jar Binks, who is impersonating <laughs> some Gungan some Gungan boss more specifically, and so that's a dead end. So I decided to have a look at some Tolkien stuff because as we know, Dave Filoni is a fan of Lord of the Rings and there are comparisons to Gandalf and Ahsoka out there. And this is the episode where we basically transfer from Ahsoka the Grey to Ahsoka the White for all intents and purposes. So I looked at it in terms of the battle with the Balrog that happens. And there are some similarities. For example, the you know, finale of their battle where Gandalf eventually casts the Balrog down happens above the cloud line and so in his reckoning he thinks it must have seemed like a storm you know with thunder and lightning happening to anybody who was below the clouds and that's kind of similar to how Jason Sindula experiences the sound of lightsabers clashing over the waves. And after he comes back from the dead, he talks about having strayed through time and thought and wandered far on roads that he doesn't want to talk about. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically the gist. And it kind of sounds a little similar to the World Between Worlds situation. But there is something else that he says, particularly to Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. And I'll paraphrase this one as well. When Frodo is lamenting the fact that he has to be a part of this conflict and Gandalf tells him that you know we don't get to choose the times that we're in we just have to do the best that we can in the times that we find ourselves in and the circumstances that we find ourselves in again paraphrasing ridiculously and as we talked about in yesterday's episode, because of the fact that we're not seeing doorways in this version of the world between worlds, this really is more of a situation like the cave in the tree on Dagobah where Luke goes and ultimately faces Darth Vader and has his failure in the cave as Yoda describes it. So Ahsoka going into the world between worlds 
encounters there only what she brings with her, as Yoda would have put it to Luke, and what she brings with her is the idea that her legacy is that of death and destruction. And the reason why we can say that with some measure of confidence is because that's what Balin Skull is saying to Ahsoka just before he knocks her off that cliff. Why is that significant? Why can we trust what a villain is saying in this particular point? Because what happens after after Ahsoka falls off the cliff with Balin stopping and taking a breath and then reciting all of Sabine's secret fears and desires about Ezra and finding him and this being the only way, right? He seems to have access to this level of emotion within the people around him if he is able to concentrate and sit with it. And it seems like he has done something similar. I think it's fair to argue that he has done the same with Ahsoka. So we can safely believe or posit that she goes into the world between worlds thinking that her legacy is that of death and destruction and she's also been meditating on her relationship with Anakin because of her leaving him the way that she left Sabine. Certainly reuniting with Sabine again is going to awaken those feelings and considerations, that shame and that trauma. And speaking of trauma, that's what we're brought into. We're brought into one of Ahsoka's very first missions in the Clone Wars, where we see a 14-year-old girl faced with the horrors of war. And if this isn't traumatic, then I don't know what is. But she's not ready to learn the lesson yet, and so we have the interesting experience of watching her try to figure this out with 46-year-old eyes looking through the body of a 14-year-old and later a 17-year-old experiencing the trauma fresh for the first time in decades. And she asks this avatar of Anakin, what about my training? Because he had said in the world between worlds that he was there to complete her training. And he tells her this is her training, right? But she doesn't understand this at all. And says, you know, like, we lost so many people and it's my fault they were following my orders. Anakin's response is that, hey, you know, we're in charge, but even we make mistakes, but that's not the kind of healing Ahsoka needs. Ahsoka basically says, this isn't what I trained for. Anakin's response is very Gandalf-like in its way to say, you know, we have to adjust for the times. And this really does get into a moral quandary about whether it is right to adjust one's behavior to deal with the reality of the times that you're facing versus being true to your principles. And it goes to the deeper question of whether the Jedi should have maintained their status as peacekeepers versus converting to generals and leading soldiers in a war effort. And Soka laments about this idea when Anakin says, yeah, when Obi-Wan taught me we were peacekeepers, now we're in a war, and so I have to train you to be a soldier. Ahsoka says, is this all I'm going to have to offer my Padawan, just being able to teach them how to fight? But they come down to the point of it when Ahsoka says, you know, what if I just want to stop fighting? To which Anakin says, then you'll die. And the whole point of her being in the world between worlds is to decide whether she wants to live or die, whether she's had enough of the warrior's life that she's lived and whether she's going to give in to the trauma or whether she's going to heal the trauma and try to move on. And it certainly seems like the answer is that she's going to try and heal the trauma and move on. And in particular, this question of living or dying is also defined by the way that she decides to fight Anakin, especially when he goes all Sith mode on her. And the fact that she is able to 
finally defeat him despite having been disarmed and despite disarming him of his own lightsaber and holding it to his throat, saying I choose to live, but doing so while dropping his lightsaber and ending the fight. Yeah, that's kind of a significant thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that she's not going to fight Balin and Shin and Morgan Elspeth and then Thrawn when he eventually shows up in all of this. But it does suggest that she may be heading toward a path that Obi-Wan Kenobi has talked about where he says you can't win but there are alternatives to fighting and that she may be starting to consider these other alternatives as a way of moving forward. So ultimately the title Shadow Warrior seems to be talking about Ahsoka as a warrior and her shadow self, the fear and the shame and the terror that have accompanied her life and her experiences for lo these many years and reconciling the idea that she's part of a legacy and even though that legacy was one of death and war she can move forward in a more positive direction and not ultimately have that be her legacy but to be able to do something greater and you know far beyond what she had been subjected to in those early formative years so that's what i've got for you on our deep dive for part five of the ahsoka series and that is going to do it for this episode of the show it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be Seven is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyrighted by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.